for joining us on the start of a brand new series that has been coming down the docket for a while now. Yeah. I'm Ethan Bonin, joined by two incredibly attractive and <laughs> definitely not balding guys who happen to be two of my best friends. Wow. Anton Ryder, Austin Thomas. How are you guys doing tonight? You absolutely amped for the story? or You know, me as Austin Thomas, I'm doing really good. Give good, a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know what I don't know what that script little bit was. Or I was going to play along with it. Yeah, I'm doing great. I'm doing great as Anton Ryder. Yeah, I just wanted you to give a little bit about your life. Okay, cool, 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 cool. You know, uh, <laughs> give me a little bit. I'll give you a little bit, baby. I, uh, you know, I've been doing a lot of video watching, having a really good day today. You know, I'm just really excited to talk about this new artist we picked. It's a really good choice that I made. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Wait, no, Ethan chose this one. This is getting me. a little meta. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry, sorry. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, well. That's a good question. Uh, another question that you've probably wondered in your life uh, mm-hmm. is what if a piano virtuoso from the classical era mm. was reincarnated and decided, you know what? I don't want to compose this time around. Mm-hmm. I just want to spend. <laughs> and if that, just describes the thought, <laughs> that describes the thought you have thought, then you're in the right place as we begin our journey through this this artist tonight. Tony, you want to launch this sub or what? Absolutely, yes. Uh, Ethan, you are wonderful with the analogies. I'm not (laughs) not sure where you're going with all this, but I'm here for it, so thank you for that. Yeah, I think the the term that we used is that he is the bizarro Beethoven because whereas yes. Beethoven was a wonderful composer and uh, and not much of a people person, the person we're covering tonight was the exact opposite of that. He wrote no music <laughs> and he loved to perform for people, loved the public light. So we're going to get into it. This story is a little different than any we've covered so far in the simple fact that the musician we are covering today wrote little to no music of his own. I mean, he was a creator, but not in the traditional sense that we usually talk about. Yes, he was a wonderful improviser, but he wrote barely anything down and everything he came up with was basically off the cuff. And he he was known for his live show. He was a musician and arguably one of the best ones that we've covered so far, but he realized that his talent came not from his ability to write music, but his ability to play music. I didn't know too much about this artist, but he was the highest paid entertainer of all time for nearly 20 years. Yeah. But playing other people's music, like, and we're talking improv skills on like a Beethoven level. I don't, Yeah. I know people, some people would be mad about comparing him to Beethoven. So take it easy. <laughs> take it easy. <laughs> this, this man in almost every sense of the word, like Tony said, was a bizarro Beethoven. Mm. <laughs> it's, mm-hmm. it's, it's, it's honestly wild. <laughs> and while he did release albums, as many as 30 or so, by my estimation, which is an interesting fact in itself, is that it, it's kind of hard to pin down exactly how many albums he did put out. Mm-hmm. He really shined on stage in every sense of the word. I need you to think 
rhinestones. Oh my God, he was a human <laughs> disco ball when he was on that stage. He loved having a crowd surrounding him and his rhinestone piano in front of him. So without further ado, we bring you the story of Mr. Showmanship himself, Liberace. Liberace. This is really a story of changing the entire show business industry as much as the story of one musician. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, this man was an innovator way ahead of his time. Yeah, I thought that this was going to be a simple series when we got into it. And uh, this guy lived a crazy life. He lived a complex life <laughs> and his professional life was insane. Uh-huh. So I'm very excited to get into it. But before we dive into all this, we need to let you know a couple of things. First is the books that we read. So we used Liberace, The True Story by Bob Thomas as our main source. And we also read Behind the Candelabra, My Life with Liberace by Scott Thorson, who had a very personal relationship with Liberace. Very personal, very long. Mm -hmm. Behind the Candelabra is a really interesting story. And I went into it with no predetermined ideas other than it being the story of Liberace's life. But it wasn't. It was something different. <laughs> something that, uh, we are, I, to put it mildly, we are taking both stories. We're taking every story with a grain of salt because our second point we want to make is that there are some huge discrepancies in this story. The story that Scott tells and the story that Liberace told are far different from each other for reasons that will be clear as we go through the story. It'll clear right up. Mm-hmm. Don't worry. Yep. It is it's very clear that... Maybe both parties were lying. You got to meet in the middle. <laughs> I think I think you are correct, Ethan. Yes. We'll give you every side we can and you just do what you want with any of it. Right. We will acknowledge the differences and give both sides to ensure the story is as complete as possible. And then we will let you draw your own conclusions on what story you think is true. Let's dive into and it. And then email us and tell us. <laughs> Please do. Yeah. <laughs> Please let us know how wrong we are. So, Vuadzu Valentino Liberace was born on May 16th, 1919 in West Allis, Wisconsin, a small town of only around 10,000 people at the time of Vuadzu's birth. And it was also notable as the place where serial killer and cannibal Jeffrey Dahmer spent his childhood some 40 years later. Dahmer was born in Milwaukee. They just shipped him off to live with his grandmother in West Allis mm-hmm. when his parents couldn't handle him burning stuff in the backyard and drinking two bottles of vodka a day <laughs> was this like before or after he made that giant bong made out of snow i i just want to know like where in the timeline in his life did that land because that's my favorite part about Dahmer, buddy you're just gonna have to go listen to one of the 500 million true crime <laughs> podcasts yeah. out there if you want to know that yep. <laughs> so wadzu or i think his name is pronounced a couple different ways by different people he sometimes people call him wadzu sometimes people call him wadlo sometimes people call him uh wadlo so i'm gonna go with wadzu that's how i had it written down again let us know if i'm getting it wrong so and we'll take it with full hearts and open ears that's right we sure will so he was actually born as a twin but when he came out at over 13 pounds it was discovered that wadzu had essentially taken up the entire womb and had killed his twin brother there are people that will go on down the line to say that liberace was greedy and lived for opulence Mm -hmm. but uh, based on the way that he would end up living his life. But a lot of people probably didn't know it started in the womb. <laughs> Clearly, it was uh, genetically encoded 
the man was meant to be this way. Oh, yeah. He had a big personality and apparently the body to match. <laughs> too big of a personality. <laughs> Not too, like, I mean... Just too big for another person to, 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 to survive. To yep. Live with his personality. Uh, the metaphors there, they go on for days. So, born to Salvatore Liberace, an Italian immigrant father, and Francis Liberace, formerly Zuchowski, the daughter of Polish immigrants. Salvatore, or Sam as he was known in America, played the French horn and left Italy to find work stateside. He had a short stint playing the horn for John Philip Sousa's marching band before that gig ended and he traveled around the country with whoever would take him. Alright, so I'm trying to get it like a frame of reference here because I've never really played a brass instrument. Which one's more harder to play? The uh, French horn or the trombone? Because they both look difficult at like eyesight. Yeah, what one's way more harder? Way more harder. How dare you, Ethan? We're trying way to more paint, harder. We're trying to paint ourselves as intellects, intellectual people here. Uh, no, I'm not a smart man. I'm going to say... <laughs> I'm going to say the French horn is harder because the the mouthpiece for it is much smaller. So you have to pinch your lips mm -hmm. a lot tighter to play it. Huh. Trombone is a big old mouthpiece. Tuba is harder than all of them. <laughs> That's why you can play it for your whole senior year. <laughs> I chose not to. Okay, it's not that I couldn't. Buddy. Okay, buddy. <laughs> so Sam met Francis in Wisconsin and they married and moved to Philadelphia for a short time before Francis asked them to move back to Wisconsin to be closer to family. God, imagine the disappointment Sam must have felt when his new wife wanted to go to Wisconsin from Philadelphia. He was not very happy. He kind of felt <laughs> no. that there would be no work for him there, and he was technically correct. Mm. But Francis won out, and they moved to West Allis, a suburb of Milwaukee. He found steady work for a while, but it fell apart by the time that Vladzu, or Walter, as it was written on his birth certificate, was born. Libster, as I call him, uh, he hated being called Walter. And he ends up going by a few names, and Walter's never one of them. Nope. I nope. am a proponent of Lee, short and sweet. I had, uh, I had an Uncle Lee, and uh, I have only fond memories of him, so I also like Lee. Yes! Lee's good, but... I've always called him Libster. <laughs> I do remember you just <laughs> spouting out things for the last 10 years. I mean, our friendship has been going on for almost 15 years. And I just remember one of our first conversations just asking what what Libster concert was the best. And I couldn't answer it at the time. I can't answer it now. But I know you're still waiting for that answer, buddy. I remember you asked me what Liberace concert was the best. And I didn't know what you were talking oh. about because I call him Libster. That's true. Lib yeah, so sure. there was, yeah. that was that was the con first contention. In our meeting. <laughs> Libster. What a name. He didn't mind it. <clears throat> so, Lipster was the youngest of three children, and the family was living on just one income and barely one at that. Sam was having trouble finding work as a French horn player, and it created resentment between the couple, as Francis was upset that Sam wasn't providing for his family, and Sam was upset that Francis forced him to move away from Philadelphia, where he definitely would have found steady work. I couldn't get a ton of information on this, but I read in a couple articles that Francis was a concert pianist before meeting Sam and she takes a firm stance that music is a luxury they could not afford and it causes a little resentment all around. <clears throat> and I feel like uh, maybe this resentment will cause Sam to do some pretty disrespectful things <laughs> in regards to their relationship. It, uh, it definitely paints a wild picture because while she thinks that music is a luxury and is something that they can't afford, 
she very much leans into Liberace's playing and uh, makes sure that Not he Sam's. has everything he needs. Yeah, so I referenced it a few times. Perfect. She, well, she then let's shits on the other kids. <laughs> oh baby, yeah. oh baby, yeah. So he's got everything. Let's continue. Do a yeah, parent, pick a favorite. <laughs> Regardless, Sam found another way to provide food for his family. He went ahead and he bought his own grocery store because when you own a grocery store. You technically have unlimited food, and it's just a brilliant idea. <laughs> it's smart. I wonder if Sam had connections to the mob, because how the heck, as a musician, can you afford a grocery store? I mean, this is We're the- We're not getting into this. this is We're the- not going to get into this right now. I think he bought it in, like, the early 1910s, or, like, or the late 1910s, early 1920s. Like, it was, it probably cost him, like, 40 bucks. Like, yeah. it's not too much. Yeah. Not too yeah. much money. A couple packs of cigarettes <laughs> yeah. and some bottle tops. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but I do appreciate you just immediately going for like the well. It's probably something shady. He was Italian. I'm just making connections here. I think that's actually racist. Yeah, I think that technically is. I think you guys are right. <laughs> oh, great. The problem is, you might most likely not be wrong. <laughs> Based on a lot of accounts. <laughs> oh, cripes. <laughs> oh, here we go. All right. Uh, and uh, yes, so it was it was a it was good that he he bought this grocery store because though Walter was 13 pounds when he was born, he found it difficult to handle the Wisconsin winters. And twice when he was a young child, he had pneumonia and almost died. Oh, I was a big old big fat baby, and I nearly died of blood disease when I was like two. So hefty does not necessarily mean hearty. You know, unfortunately, uh, not usually healthy when you're <laughs> overweight. You don't always make it just because you're big. <laughs> that's, uh, yeah, that's true. That is true. Uh, Francis adored Walter, making not so subtle hints that he was the favorite and even taking a weird tone from his birth that she was proud that he basically killed his brother in the womb to make him a stronger baby. His mom's a bit of a wild card. She does some wacky wild stuff from time to time. I mean, just like the occasional derailment that she has here and there throughout his entire life. It's fun. Kind of wacky, kind of (laughs) wild. It's kind of fun. It is. It is fun. I mean, it, it it adds the excitement that makes for a good story and that's why we're telling it yes Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. (laughs) she yeah she would always make sure that he had what he needed and chose him over the other siblings almost every time you know i said it earlier you parents out there take notes shania's mom did it she's famous too you got to pick a favorite (laughs) and you don't give like anything to the others technically beethoven's parents did it too just to in yeah. the opposite way. <laughs> oh, just in the opposite way. Bizarro, baby. Bizarro. God. <laughs> Connection Bizarro, Beethoven. How about that? <laughs> yeah, unfortunately, though, Francis and Sam had to be at the grocery store almost all the time to run it, so Walter was left in the care of his sister, Angela, and his older brother, George. George would be a huge character through Liberace's entire life, and Angela would pop up from here to there, but she kind of fades out eventually. Sam said that all his children were going to learn how to play an instrument and that they were going to start lessons at the age of four. I'm starting to think the whole shove an instrument down your kid's throat and just hope that they become a famous musician has some real legs after doing the show for nearly two years. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I sat down and I was coming out. I was like trying to put together like the three possible outcomes that could be, you know, this type of parenting. And I think it's one of three. 
So they grow up to be successful musicians. They become drug addicts and not musicians at all, or they become both. A lot of times it's just the both. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, uh, more often than not. <laughs> find out the one just kind of uh, uh, pairs with the other quite nicely. Uh, like yeah. a nice dry red and some, and some cheese. Uh, oh, no. You have access to things, I suppose. <laughs> I will tell you this, though. <laughs> it's just easy. I tell you this. I make, I make Vivian, my daughter Vivian, sit at the, my drum set for six hours a night. And I say, if you don't <laughs> learn how to play these fucking drums, you're not sleeping inside tonight. And my God, it's going to pay off. My God, dude. she could do fills like you wouldn't believe. I can't wait to see the YouTube channel. <laughs> That's going to pay dividends for you. I'm just like better than investing I'm in stocks. Just kidding, guys. She's a she's a wonderful daughter. And she plays drums only when she wants to. <clears throat> it's true. He's a great, great dad good luck i mean that <laughs> the more we say it the, just, convincing. the more yeah the more it sounds like we're about to get hilarious. dhs called on us <laughs> uh yeah they oh, they all started on the piano all three of them did george angela and walter but George, who was actually born while they lived in Philadelphia, switched to the violin because the piano that they had got lost in transit on the move from Philly to Wisconsin. But when the piano reached West Allis, Angela started taking lessons from their neighbor. And right when Walter turned four, even before his parents had a chance to get him into lessons, Walter began reading George's violin music and playing it on the piano. Here we freaking go. This cherub-looking child is about to take the world by storm. <laughs> it's true. A while to go in the timeline, but yeah. Little fucking Gerber oh, baby bitch. Angelic. <laughs> Full cheeks. So cute. Yeah, he was a like a just a natural player, and Sam knew instantly that he had to get go lessons going. Even though that Walter was four, he was like, "All right, this this has to start right now, and and this is gonna go fast." Uh, yeah, dude. When you see your four year old start sight reading sheet music, it's time to start greasing that piano. Hey, man, you you really gotta take advantage of that brain while it's still spongy and not full of crippling depression. <laughs> that's, that's true, brother. Yeah, that is true. Get it in there while they're uh, while they're nice and optimistic. Yeah, Walter. It happens younger than you think. <laughs> oh dear, oh dear. Uh, Walter loved playing the piano, and he left no time for anyone else to play the piano, mainly Angela, because he was always playing it. He began playing every piece of music he could get his hands on. When he was eight and Angela was thirteen, she was given an assignment to play Mendelssohn's Midsummer Night's Dream but couldn't get it down even after weeks of trying but walter asked to try it out and within a single day he could play it perfectly with ease i feel like you hear stories like this and it's super easy to just be like oh it's a wild story about someone who's naturally really good at something uh and but it's like mind-blowing to really think about yeah like because you got to take these with a grain of salt but they're like they actually he's like four years old reading music yeah. he's Fucking learning a hard ass song in a day. <laughs> right. It's pretty impressive. No, one hundred percent. Yeah, and I think the other thing to think about is like, this is so incredibly rare. Like, what's going on here? I mean, mm -hmm. it 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 just doesn't happen. You know, you got. How your, do you react yeah. as a parent besides like forcing them to do music? I, yeah, oh, that's the question. I mean, yeah. obviously, you're kind of predisposed to understand that they're good at music and can read music and stuff. Being a musician yourself, um, yourself being Sam in this in, in this mm -hmm. case, Sam and Francis. Yeah. But yeah, it's like, oh shit! Like we might have 
something here, you know? That like, kid is all over TikTok and YouTube and Instagram today. Like, that, we haven't seen it, so it's not happening. Yeah, yeah. I feel like. Exactly. I mean, unless it's, there's so I guess, much more access. Without access. But. Yeah, but it's like. And there's also like a stigma now, like, publicized. I don't want to, like, put my kids out there that bad. So, yeah. you, you don't. People do, I know. <laughs> but a Unfor- lot of people. Unfortunately, people do. Green. Yeah. I hate it. I hate it so much. Oh, a lot of people are ready to get their kids out on stage because if they give their talent, a majority and their kids, huge marketability. <sighs> I hate it. I hate it. <laughs> um, yeah, they they just kind of were like, all right, this kid is good, and so we have to work with it. I don't think they realized that he was like prodigy level good because you can be good at something and then just be good at it for your whole life but like i don't i don't know if at the time they were like okay this eight-year-old is going to be a prodigy this is like a different level of good exactly yeah (laughs) yeah Yeah, he became good so fast in fact that when famous piano player ignaz paderewski met and heard walter play uh he kind of made a comment that that really kind of lit a fire under under walter to continue they they likely met at the paps theater in in milwaukee and he claimed that walter may someday take his place and and paderewski was like a, a very talented pianist and so that was a pretty high honor yeah you might not know this but paderewski is not only like tony said a very famous composer and pianist but he was the prime minister of poland in 1919 and I was super excited to go into a thing about him, meaning that Walter would one day replace him as the prime minister someday in the future Liberace of Poland. But, uh-huh. you know, <laughs> he was only in the position for like under a year in 1919 when Walter was born. So it doesn't tie in very much. <laughs> they signed the Treaty of Versailles. So that's interesting. Big I deal. Mean, Right. I'm not a history major, but the Treaty of Versailles was pretty much what caused World War II, right? Because they blamed everything on Germany. It ended World War One. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I think they said I know that. that. Yeah, there, there's been famous quotes saying that like this this treaty won't last any more than like I think they said 27 years, and then 27 years later, it just <laughs> cool. not nobody a good... knocked on wood. I don't think I'd want to be a guy that signed that treaty. I'm going to be honest. Ah, well, at the time it looked good. At the time it looked quite good. Uh, yeah, yeah. So you can imagine how funny that would be if he met Liberace and replaced him as... Oh, I would love to see a Liberace-led Poland. I'd tell you that. That would be a fun place. <laughs> that could be good. That, that would be a fun place. A lot more rhinestones. Yeah, a whole country covered in rhinestones. That would be great. <laughs> <laughs> the, whole thing, the thing is, he could have funded it. He could have yeah. done Yeah, could have done He's nobody. about that. <laughs> <laughs> yes, so this story with, with Liberace or Walter at the Pap Theater is where our first discrepancy lies. And this one is one of the smaller ones. So... Walter and Francis loved to tell the story about how she worked at a music shop in Berlin and had met and helped Paderewski. And when she found out that he was coming to Wisconsin, she wrote to him basically saying, you remember me? I helped you in Berlin. And he said that he did. And then he came over to their house and had dinner there. And then while there, Walter played for him. And that's when he claimed that Walter would replace him. Uh, So... In this case, the overarching theme is correct, but more than likely the details are highly, highly embellished. Yeah, yeah. Lipster's mom was just friends with Prime Minister Paderewski. <laughs> it could happen, but it also could not happen. It didn't happen, hey, yeah. Makes for a good story, doesn't it? God, and that's... Yeah, it does. That's what we're here for, baby. That's what we're here that's why we're for. we're <laughs> So, while Walter's piano playing was impressive for anyone, it was especially impressive for someone his age. Like I said, the talent's there, the age is there. 
there's a market there. But mm. his communication skills struggled by comparison. We're going to find out that everything is subject to change. <laughs> yeah. He was an yeah. energetic kid and oftentimes got tongue-tied because he spoke too fast. He would stumble over his words and then he would struggle getting out complete sentences. Sam was convinced that there was something wrong with him while Francis said there wasn't and then used his piano playing ability as proof that he was completely fine. Yeah, you know, I've always kind of thought if you can't just force your body to like operate the way that people think it should there's got to be something wrong with you personally it's on your end <laughs> oh my god yeah. i've always be you, believe, right? I've always believe that <laughs> well, yeah oh awesome so. you okay buddy <laughs> <laughs> just something i kind of personally believe all right well that's great. We won't get into it. We're just going to move on. Uh, <laughs> I don't. I don't. It's a joke. Sarcasm. Uh, yes. No, Sam won out here. He he believed there was something wrong, and he won out. So when Walter was seven, he spoke to Steve Swedish, another musician who worked closely with Sam, who said that he was getting tongue-tied because the frenulum, or the little flap of skin under the tongue, was too tight, and it was making it next to impossible to, for Walter to speak. Literally, he was tongue-tied. So Steve suggested that the best course of action would be to take Walter in and then get his frenulum cut to increase the mobility of his tongue. You know, my firstborn almost had this procedure done because he had issues uh, nursing and uh, he decided to adapt and overcome instead. Good job, Ted. <laughs> Just decided it. Yeah. 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 Force your body to work the way everyone else thinks it's supposed to. Huh. Yeah. Well, that's actually it's pretty uh, simple. I uh, just just uh, remember what Ethan said in about 15 seconds. Yeah. This was 1926. <laughs> so cutting the frenulum was some pretty groundbreaking science. I would I would have to say. Uh, so, yeah, Sam took him in, got the frenulum cut. And then it turned out that that did absolutely nothing for this child. Oh, what? Drunk fucking Steve Swedish said it would work, man. <laughs> just fucking just hammer and bottom this. And he's like, oh, yeah, if you take the kid in. And I assume he is Swedish since his last name's Swedish. That's the character I'm going That's for. That's the thing. He's not. But he does speak like that. <laughs> he's actually not about him. Crazy, yeah. He, like, yeah. actually just leans in to the stereotype. I love it. He just it. takes it down to you take the kid kid to the doctor and you just you get the cut and everything great he, he will be able to talk snip and snip and snip and he will talk so good and play piano good and he will talk so good and you won't believe how good he talks i trust you implicitly i think the funniest Steve part Swedish. is he's actually asian oh boy <laughs> no it got a little it got a little asian in there i'm embarrassed to say that that's <laughs> I'm, glad, I'm glad you do I tried to steer away from it when I when I when I realized this was getting a little too far east. Uh, <laughs> Good <laughs> fucking god! <laughs> so I actually talked to my wife about all this because she's a speech language pathologist, so she actually deals with a lot of these issues. And she said that this issue or this procedure, getting the frenulum cut, is no longer common practice, yeah. and it's typically only done, as Ethan said, when there's feeding issues in infants or if the tie is so bad that the child literally can't move their tongue and neither of the neither of those were the, a problem in walter's case but imagine the mobility that tongue would have if you did just cut it for no reason <laughs> oh, i've been thinking about just it just making him like a freaking rock star <laughs> yeah, who knows? 
Gene oh. Simmons. <laughs> like Gene Simmons, baby. Yeah. <laughs> maybe I, maybe, do well, we, maybe we, Gene had a Do we not we know, know. That that's what happened? Yeah. We don't do know. we have evidence? <laughs> yeah. Uh, hmm. My wife said that there was no real proof that this does any good, but it can cause pain for a person who gets it done, mainly because you're getting the underside of your tongue cut as a child, as a cognitive child. So, I don't know. Yeah, that's... Yeah, from a licensed professional, like don't, don't just go getting your kid's tongue cut in half because your fucking friend told you to. Everybody in 1926, where they don't have licensed professionals in this field or any field. Is that true? Wait, wait. <laughs> I mean, I gotta think. Were probably. there certification programs back then? I honestly don't know. Is that, what, what did it look it like? Doesn't back seem then? like it. It's just like I. It feels like I, no. The, the, the whole the whole process is just like I feel really confident that I can do this. So. Just let me try it. <laughs> Perfect. Uh, yeah, Walter had this procedure done as a young child, and then when it didn't work, they decided that maybe he just like needed just speech therapy that children get. So they found a priest at Marquette University who specialized in speech issues. I don't know about you guys, but I hate the idea of a priest teaching young children how to use their mouths better. <laughs> Come on, buddy, that's low hanging fruit. Yeah, am I wrong? <laughs> am I wrong? Uh, I don't we know. We all thought it. We just chose not to put it. <laughs> and one of, on. Most of us chose not to play. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. A majority, technically. The, yes, the priest told Walter that he really needed to focus on his vowel sounds as he spoke and to slow down. And so when he was 15, he took another course to get rid of any accent that he may have. I think both of his parents had a little bit of an accent with uh, Sam being a first Im Im uh, first generation immigrant and then, uh, and then Francis being a, technically a second generation. So that he had some kind of accent still. And so getting this course done to lose any accent gave Walter the clear, unique speech cadence that he became known for throughout his life. Ethan, this is a very hypnotic way of speaking, and I wonder if you have thoughts. All right. So literally hypnotizing to watch this man perform. If you haven't yeah. sat down and watched any of his TV performances they're wonderful but uh -huh. well-timed vocal mm -hmm. cadence is magic to me like and when you combine that with an improvisational master on a piano you get three middle-aged dudes on a podcast talking about him 30 years after his death <laughs> fuck i didn't know we were middle-aged i think we're I <laughs> yeah know. man i assume i'm gonna die at 60 so that's just me all right i've always yeah i'll take yeah, it <laughs> no i i feel that I feel you. yeah i was really trying to work on a voice to kind of imitate Liberace's and I just can't you can't do it. It's such a it's such a oh, unique yeah. speech style and it is and his tone yeah. is so unique. It's like yeah, kind of weird nasal, but in a good way. And it's you just have to go watch him. Just go watch him. I promise you. He, I watched a special that came out in like 1960s and I was laughing. I was like belly laughing because his stuff is very funny he he does a good job he's so good at just going with it yeah <laughs> like just this is like doesn't i don't know man he's in the moment perfectly i am uh when i watch him i just find myself being a little old lady laughing at all his jokes oh yeah oh, yeah yeah all right God, you are <laughs> drawn right in oh pull-ups can't just can't <laughs> hypnotic so, when Walter was in his early teenage years, he was 
better than the neighbor who was supposed to be teaching him. And so they needed to find someone better who could continue to teach him. I mean, piano virtuoso problems. Am I right? <laughs> We've You're all been right, there. man. <laughs> yeah, the, you're right. the only issue was that finding someone who would take him uh, would not be a cheap endeavor or an easy endeavor. It's like we said before, though, Francis. She saw music as a luxury and something that they should not be wasting time or money on unless it was for Walter. Yeah. And when it came to Walter, she was like Shania's mom, like the money might not be there, but she's going to find a way like if she had to, which sounds nice until you take into account the other two kids just getting their musical interests shit on. You know, <laughs> fucking sell their instruments to get him one. <laughs> Walter's going to be a mama's boy for the rest of his life due to this. Yeah, very true. Unhappily. Very, very tortured soul. <laughs> oh, it's, a, it's actually a pretty sad story. Yeah. Super being 100% truthful here. It does, does read pretty sad. Yeah. <laughs> Luckily, though, both of those things where they were going to find a teacher and how they were going to pay for it, worked themselves out when they met with Florence Kelly, a piano instructor at the Wisconsin College of Music. Wisconsin kind of threw my own accent in there. Uh, Walter (laughs) played for Florence, and she said that he was so good that she would take him on, and even though he was a young teen, that they would be able to get a scholarship to study under her at the college. Is it fairly common to get a a full-ride scholarship as a musician? I have no idea. I mean, it's just like getting any other scholarship for a college. It's not common for a kid. For a child, yeah. As a grown-up, it is, or as a a college-aged person it is so as a high schooler it's okay but as a kid obviously yeah i didn't think about that right yeah that makes it strange yeah yeah yep 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 uh (laughs) yeah florence was very serious she was a very prim woman who really focused on refining walter's skills to play classical music and she as well as francis saw a future as a concert pianist for walter and while he could play the classics very well he didn't know if that's what he wanted to do but he took the lessons to refine his skills and to keep learning new things he's really just cooking up such a thick beefy gumbo of Mm. gimmick that could only be properly seasoned and cooked in like a place like ah, i don't i don't know like vegas or something and you know at at, at this time (laughs) vegas is a barren desert with little to nothing it's crazy (laughs) yeah i just don't know where that would marinate properly yeah (laughs) one place maybe like vegas or something oh my god man your metaphors are just off the charts tonight and i'm here for it are they metaphors i don't don't know know what happened to you during the writing process but i'm i'm loving it whatever it was buddy keep it up that's good (laughs) having fun tonight (laughs) having fun baby entertainment tonight (laughs) so walter got lessons at the perfect time because in 1929 a uh, certain economic downturn happened across the country you may or may not be familiar with Mm -hmm. it and the grocery store took a turn for the worst and nobody had any money for live music or films so any chance of sam continuing to play in these theaters was doa yeah he was really struggling to get these gigs so you might say his chances were dead on arrival but i'd say they arrived a while ago and they're just kind of like on life support and got the plug pulled Ugh. yep you know yep kind of like what we're kind of seeing in the last year right now oh hmm. shit wow crazy yeah. <laughs> no yeah you're right <laughs> yeah money got so tight for the family that francis actually had to take a job in a cookie factory to bring home some income and some warm fresh cookies mm-hmm. and while she was doing that sam held off for other musical positions but they never came deet, deet. 
<laughs> you get it. Just, fl- yep. just freaking flatlining and flopping like a fish. Yeah, struggling to breathe. Yeah, he did get some like short-term positions, basically temp work in factories. But he was actually really ashamed to admit that he even had this work because he was a musician. Damn it! But same as the musician was gone, and he absolutely hated it. I'm a man who respects don't, death, and I'd like don't. to take a quick. Don't opportunity to have a moment of silence for Sam's music Don't career because it, it's, it's dead. R.I.P. There it is. I was wondering if we were going to get away with him not actually throwing it out. Sam. R.I.P. Sam goes on to be a, a pretty successful musician, just no, in a different I, I, I just, avenue. Yeah. yeah. So. Yeah. Tony, you want to like call it and go? Or? We can go. <laughs> <laughs> you want to just take off? Like, I think his career is going to do one of these at some point. Like. Back to life, baby. Back to life. Sam actually helps Liberace get one of his biggest gigs later down the line, but we'll get into that in a little bit. That makes sense. So, yes, he, at this point, though, obviously not doing anything, he became abusive with his wife and children, which actually included a fourth child, Rudolph Liberace. (laughs) And that's what you want when you're struggling for money in the actual Great Depression. (laughs) Another kid. I mean, it's not just a depression. It is the big one. It's the great one. I mean, Mm -hmm. people starve. Dust Bowl hit. Real stuff. I didn't even think about it, but man, the 1910, the 1930s was uh, the year of uh, the greats. Yeah, Great Depression. Yeah. I guess the World War One also called the Great War was was, uh, a couple of decades earlier than that. But I mean, there's nothing to do when when, uh, you're in the Great Depression. Depression, so you bang one out, and uh, they yeah. they decided to have another child. Probably by accident. That's yeah. okay. Yeah. So every every child is sacred. Can't use condoms. God, that's right, baby. That. That's right. <laughs> They're Catholic. <laughs> you got it, baby. They are. Yeah, devoutly Catholic. Uh, yeah, he also began regularly leaving in the evenings for some extramarital fun. So while Walter's home life was rough, his school life was anything but. Even before he reached high school, Walter was already known for his talent on the piano, and it was here that he really began to find himself. I will say he was very good at embracing himself in some aspects and flipping what could be an uncomfortable situation on its he, head. Yes, he was very good at at uh, at turning things that probably got most people in trouble, not in trouble, but but caused them trouble. Uh, it, it, he turned it around to make to it for his own gain, yeah. which we'll get into right now. Yep. Yeah, he wasn't into like sports or a lot of things that the other kids were into, and then pair that with Walter. Or Lee's, as he was sometimes called by this point. Richter. His blossoming eccentric wardrobe where he wore a full suit complete with spats, which are shoe coverings most often seen on like military outfits or very fancy outfits of the time. Uh, and th- like that should have been a recipe for disaster for him. It seems like it would be on point for the 20s, but... I mean, I guess by the time he was in high school, the depression was in full swing. So imagine most kids were in like dirty white shirts tucked into their dirt covered jeans you know twine belt so i guess yeah it could be eccentric maybe yeah i mean the kids back then were probably smoking like an entire pack a day with cigarette smoke oh yeah and booze and then cut to prim and proper walter walking through the high school oh yeah I think that I think that they were still kind of dressed up i think it was more like they were just wearing sweaters like it was like the minimum amount of effort 
to be appropriate for school mm. is, ah. is I think what they did. They're probably also kids, you know, just like every high school where there's people who dress nice and then there's people who dress way not nice no, uh, for different reasons. No. Whether They got their pants rolled up and their sleeves rolled up and their shirts tucked in. They got a pack of cigarettes in the roll of their t-shirt. Yeah, got, chewing their lip. What the hell are you guys talking about? You know, kids from the 30s. <laughs> That's what it was like, I imagine. <laughs> Guy, would you go to like, are you in West Side Story or something? What the hell? <laughs> That's my only real reference yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> fucking, fucking greaser all right that's all uh, i know yeah the, i mean all this stuff should have made high school a nightmare for walter but oh yeah it was a w- yeah. wonderful time for him he Kids in high school suck and he turned it around he figured out a way to just make them feel dumb make him feel make them feel like he needed he was the guy to be friends with yeah he had a little trouble at first but he quickly realized that his music was actually the key to making friends uh so people loved walter's music and they loved his always joyous bubbly attitude as he was like the definition of an optimist yeah from all the live videos and performances you can see online he carried that through his whole career like super high energy always fun even when he's like getting heckled he can just spin the situation right in his favor yeah it's incredible end up being friends with the heckler at the end exactly yeah (laughs) Yeah. he's like doesn't make anyone feel stupid he like flips it so that like he makes the heckler want to enjoy him like it's just the most amazing thing wonderful rather than defaulting to making someone like yourself piss so you piss someone else off he just made him laugh yeah it's incredible yeah his, his entertainment ability and his ability to just think on the fly and and handle situations that are tough to handle is amazing he he, he truly is like mr showmanship it's, yeah. it's incredible well earned yeah his classmates really loved his company and the things that he did and he did some pretty wild stuff remember this is the 1930s and he implemented cooking classes into the school and he would make and sell corsages for prom and other dances it's a man of taste and style mm-hmm. elegance wonderful man. yeah it's yeah. great and then at those dances he usually did didn't attend as a student or as a as a prom goer, but rather as the piano player in the hired orchestra. If there was an audience to put himself in front of, he was going to do it every time. Just every time. Love the limelight. One of mm-hmm. his favorite things to do was to just go to lunch, eat lunch as quickly as he could, and then he would go to the women's music area, because I think they were sp- split up at this point, and then he would just play piano. For, for whoever would come and listen. He would just do that his entire lunch break. God. And everyone loved Genius. to come and listen to him, yeah. And uh, so Walter was popular, and, and people liked to see him, but he didn't spend a ton of his time with people. He actually spent most of his time at the piano, uh, both by himself and with Florence, his teacher, and then increasingly more playing for people. So Florence had tried her damnedest to try and instill a sense of humility in Walter by trying to convince him that while he was good, he wasn't the best and he needed to be better. Maybe not the best in the world, maybe not the best in the country, but best in Wisconsin, you bet your caboose he was, and he'll go ahead and throw that there. <laughs> oh, boy. You leaned it hard on You'll that. You'll go ahead and bet <laughs> I'm so glad. <laughs> you know, Wisconsin is good for many things, notably cheese and beer. Not many people think pianists. Well, I think after this series, that's going to change. It's going to change. Oh, we're going to open some minds and some hearts. <laughs> yes, we are. Yes, the, the only issue with all of this is that Walter kept proving her wrong. At one point, she actually forced him to 
to enter a contest with the utmost confidence that he was going to lose and he was going to be knocked down a couple pegs. And it was a statewide contest with some of the best pianists in the state. But at the end of the night, he called her and he said that he had to borrow a nickel to make the phone call. And he just said that he won the contest. He just said that he called her just to let her know that he had won the contest. <laughs> I just want to make it, sure you knew. <laughs> and so like she was, I mean, what do you do at that point? You go, congratulations. And you move on. Uh, but whenever he would put on a performance, he would always procrastinate pr- practicing the music. Cause he didn't love playing classical music much to the dismay of Florence. Uh, but he would always show up. He would actually practice the music the night before the concert. And then he would, like just show up at the concert and he would play the pieces effortlessly and perfectly. It's just all he needed really. Like, yeah, God. by all accounts, it seemed like he kind of, this trend continues because once he was at like a certain level of fame, there are several people that are like present in a majority of his life. And apparently it was super rare that he played outside of performing or at least mm-hmm. when people were around, which seemingly was always. Yeah. I mean, you can find videos of him giving tours of his house and he's like showing all these pianos in his house. And he's like, yeah, that's, I never play these pianos, but they're in my house. <laughs> it's, it's weird to hear him say that. Like you think he, like as good as he is that he would play all the time, but he doesn't. That's a point. tell you something. Don't need to. Yeah. I got to a level of talent and I started making so much goddamn money. I just didn't <laughs> care to get that do anymore. <laughs> I, don't, I don't think he ever had to. Yeah, oh, yeah. yeah, at the top. No longer needs to learn anything new. He did done everything. Yeah. Yeah. I've he got was enough that I can make money. <laughs> he was uh he was proving himself to be the real deal on piano, to be a blooming prodigy on the piano. There was a real fear that uh at one point that all that was gonna go away because when he was in his teenage years, his arm uh got got really infected after he had a hangnail and that apparently in the in the 30s could just like destroy your arm uh that's a wild oh time oh my god <laughs> um, but yeah it, it became infected and completely messed up his entire arm god 30s were rough huh <laughs> Fuck it up. oh man jesus <laughs> it's, it's crazy to see like how far we've come in advancements in modern medicine in 90 years but not everyone can afford these advancements in healthcare. Mm. well it's, it's a luxury yeah. buddy come on yeah <laughs> God. man read i like cannot yeah you gotta read the sarcasm yeah, you please. Gotta, you, we're not being serious <laughs> i just can't tell you guys how many hangnails i've had in my life and not even noticed past it like stinging yeah it's just yeah, like man this crazy. is a super mild inconvenience you really gotta let it get it out of hand i don't think i've ever even once been like god damn i sure hope my, i don't lose my arm because of this like i should go to the doctor for this hangnail i've never thought that not once <laughs> yeah yeah the, and, and the doctors they were sure that they were gonna have to cut that sucker off uh but francis said that it would completely ruin his career as a pianist and she begged him not to yeah take george's arm he plays the violin and he's only like good he's not money making good yeah he's just like navy band good (laughs) just take george's arm instead yeah we don't you'll be okay (laughs) i don't know Uh, that that little thing just reminded me you got to see wild hogs you know that (laughs) not for a long time i think i saw it in theaters i'm not gonna know what you're talking about probably but i know the movie when william h macy is like being held hostage and they're like you better release or he's like you better do something or else i'll shoot him in the leg and he's like 
I'm a computer programmer. I don't need my legs. It's fine. <laughs> and the guy's like, if you don't do whatever, I'll shoot him in the hands. And then he like, William H. Macy goes quiet for a second. And he's like, do whatever they say. It's very funny. <laughs> Wild Hogs, underrated movie. I like, I, I like that movie. It's I haven't watched funny. it since I watched it the first time. Yeah, it was same. Good. And I haven't thought about it since, but I kind of want to rewatch it. It's a very now funny movie. I promise it's a funny movie. <laughs> I love Shameless, so I, I love William H. Macy. Sleeper. Oh, yeah. It's fine. I don't need him. I'm a computer programmer. Put it on the list. Uh, So Francis, adamant that that Walter was not going to lose his arm, decided she was going to try something. So she took him home. She boiled a tub of water and then she dunked Walter's (laughs) infected swollen arm in the boiling water, Mm. which obviously hurt him a bunch. And then she took the arm out, rubbed it with milk and laundry soap, and then wrapped it in wax paper for four days, replacing the wax paper every 30 minutes for the entire four days, 24 hours a day. I just like, I want to know, like, is this some kind of secret, like, (laughs) Polish cure-all, or was she just having a moment of desperation? They called this, in the book, they called this the old world remedy. That's all they said. Old world. So it is. It's an old Polish (laughs) remedy, yeah. Sounded like desperation to me. It sounds like it. I think that's, they figured out they could do two things by dunking stuff in boiling water, is they could cure arm problems uh, stemming from hangnails, and they can make some delicious (laughs) sausages. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. And they knew it would either work or it wouldn't work. I mean, what's the worst that's going to happen? You cause your son just horrible, horrible pain, and then he gets his arm cut off anyway. There's really no downside to trying it. No downside, yeah. <laughs> I suppose. Uh, yeah, after the four days, she took the wax paper off, and she found out the swelling had gone down, and the pus and the infection was seeping out. His arm made a full recovery, and though it took a few months, he was back at the piano as quickly as possible. When I read about this, I was wondering why they didn't try this with Beethoven rather than just wrap his whole body in poisonous wood. Yeah. And then I remembered they did that to cure his hearing loss, so it's just all dumb either way you know hers works though so i can't i shouldn't even it's fun to think that both yielded an alleged level of success uh, yeah i mean they also yeah. did they also did do the the bathtub full of like birch leaves or whatever it was uh, yeah, to try did. and cure him of all of his diseases in like the last <laughs> 72 hours of his life so uh. that just shows you how far how far fucking medicine had come from the early 1800s to the early 1900s is now we're at this where this works. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's a miracle. That's a miracle. It's good. Wow. Wow. Incredible. Are we getting stronger or is medicine getting better? That's the question. <laughs> yeah, I don't I think, think any of it's real. <laughs> it's I think we're just in a fucking random focus. generation. <laughs> <laughs> My God, Austin, you're on to oh. something. We, we gotta keep going or I'll think <laughs> yeah, too <we> much. Do. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, this this was very good for him because he figured out that he could make money playing with musicians around the area to help out with expenses at home. At just 14 years old, he began playing with some grown men at bars and weddings and just about any event that would take him. Just piling on that resentment between him and Francis because she was not exactly on board with the whole deal. Yeah. She's gonna forget him so fast. That's 
that's true. I mean, you wrote Golden Boy in there, but I think he's more of the Green Boy in this case because he's going to start bringing it home real quick, baby. <laughs> oh, fucking right. I did. I did write Golden Boy. I forgot to say that part. That's all right. <laughs> that works too. It's plenty of that to go around. This was in Diamond Boy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Emerald Boy, uh, Sequin Boy, boy yeah. whatever you want to call it. Rhinestone Boy, Mink Boy. Yeah. We, could, we could do this all fucking night. Fox. <laughs> <laughs> Had it all. Yeah, this was all happening in 1934 when the economy was just beginning to get back on its feet after the Great Depression. And more importantly, Prohibition had just been repealed a few months earlier in December 1933. The days of the speakeasies were going to end. Yep. I wish they'd come back, though. That sounds so fun. Uh, Things were beginning to open up again and people were able to go out and have fun once again. And Walter was there to see the very beginning of it. And he loved playing at these places. Like I said, he was classically trained, but he much preferred playing the pop tunes of the time, which Francis, Sam, and Florence hated. Oh, their tune will change a little bit once the couple hundred thousand dollars a week start rolling in. Do <laughs> you think Liberace would have been one of those I love my haters type of social influencers? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yes, I do. No. Maybe, maybe in a fun-loving way. In a, yeah. in a better way. He turned it way. into like, yeah, a cute way. Yeah. A good yeah. joke, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, one of the songs that he likely played at these places was Scott Joplin's 1899 song, Maple Leaf Rag. I love it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I love it. Yeah. Another song that he he likely played was uh, much more, probably one of the most famous songs um, of the time. And that one was this song right here. Your warm beer. Yeah. Waiting. <laughs> just trying to hook up with some chick. No. This is going on in the background. God, that's fun. That is fun. Polishing your tap shoes. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. It's very, very fun. Yes, that was uh, that was The Entertainer, also by Scott Joplin. There was, I think that one came out in uh, 1916. I could be wrong there. Does not matter. It's in the public domain. And that's why we play it, baby. Yeah, there's, no reason, there's no reason that we played those songs other than the fact that we could. We just could. And if we remotely mention it, uh, we're going to, if it's in the public domain, we're going to just expect it. It's going to happen yeah. ever since Beethoven. You know, I'm so happy we got to play The Entertainer because that's one of my uh, favorite uh Piano pieces of all time. That's, that's what very that good. Yeah, it's a very, yeah. very well known song. It's used as the theme of something, isn't it? I feel I like that's a, like I feel like I heard it on the Muppets. I feel like once, I know it. That's why I love of it. A show, but I can't. Mm. I don't know. Definitely, probably. Yeah. Oh, definitely. It's, a, it's probably. an easy piece to use because it's it's public domain. Public domain. You just <laughs> use it, and you won't ever get in trouble for it. So, and actually, I was thinking about maybe covering Scott Joplin at some point because uh, he's uh, very influential. 
into uh, ragtime and all that business. So maybe one day. Let me go ahead and say your next choice cannot be Scott Joplin. We can't Damn do it. three pianists from you in a row. <laughs> yeah, you're <laughs> laying it on. I don't know what happened. I don't know where I you don't. locked into this. But. I don't know why, but it happened. <laughs> <laughs> I will allow it two in a row because it's fun two. to look at the contrast, but we're not giving you a third. You've yeah, got to no. pick something different. I respect we're that. We're using our veto power, yeah. <laughs> kind of a similar to the, the bagpipes being the best part of ACDC. They situation. are the best you part. Lock, you lock in on something. We can't do it. We can't do this. <laughs> uh, yeah, but another reason we played it is just because it just kind of gives a feel for what the people were listening to and dancing to at these bars at this time. Oh, I would most definitely be cutting a rug at the local sock hop. Is a sock hop a club? It's closer to a, like a high school dance. Like a dance. Oh, okay. I'm also Thanks, certain yeah. that the sock hops were like in the 50s. 40s and 50s. I don't know. I'd be there. No clue. Get off. <laughs> I don't know, I guess. I have no idea. Uh, yeah, Francis and Florence didn't like that Walter was playing at these events as they felt that he should be focusing on becoming a great concert pianist. But Walter loved playing these things. You know the energy in those post-depression I, I should say post Great Depression clubs were really good. <laughs> really emphasize, yeah. Yeah. I mean, you had a really down for a long time and suddenly you're able to be out. Listen, Bubsy. Listen, Bubs. Yeah. I feel like that's what this country is going to be going through in about six months when everything kind of yeah. starts opening back up. People are just going to be like, I remember, I love going to the bars. And then after a year, they're going to be like, wait, this actually kind of sucks. Yeah. Oh, wait, I do hate this. I forgot. I hate <laughs> this. Yeah, People are going to be so ready to just do anything. Go get your vaccine if you uh, haven't gotten it yet and you're able to. Please, yeah. please get vaccinated. Just do it. Uh, <laughs> yeah. His bandmates actually had to sneak him out of the house because he was such a young kid from time to time to get him to play at these bars and these events. I like that most teenagers were sneaking out of the house to drink and have fun, but he's just sneaking out to fucking work. Listen here, bud. You never work a day in your life if you love what you do. That's true. And this kid loved that it. That is true. Yeah, they weren't making much from these. They were starting out at about 50 cents a night, but as their popularity rose, they began making a like a dollar 25 a night so a pretty good pay raise uh and then some places actually fed the band as well and i can attest as a videographer for weddings and stuff you demand you get fed at every event you work <laughs> well i'm an idiot and uh i misread that so i don't know what a dollar 25 rate an hour is uh i think it's like 25 dollars. i think it's just it'd just be a tenth of what your basically what your pay is or, or that would a, be bad a 20th yeah so yeah, yeah it's, it's 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 all right uh but yeah, he was playing like concert halls for Florence during the day. She would put him into these really, really uptight events. And then at night, he would play at bars and then beer gardens. I mean, there's literally a night and day comparison for venues and times. <laughs> <laughs> yes, absolutely. Yeah. Yep. Um, yeah. He also added on the job of playing at the local theater, like the local film theater where they would he would play music alongside the silent films at the time uh, a time before the talkies mm -hmm. yeah and, th and this there were some there were some uh not silent movies at the time Ooh. but still there were mo most were it was it, it it was still kind of a gimmick to have sound in movies in its infancy yes so he was still he still had plenty of work to do and so he would sit off to the side and then he would play alongside these films kind of snaked away the gigs his dad had been going for for a bit but you gotta let your light shine you know yeah uh, i think there was a level of resentment for his father anyway in the yes. bbc documentary that i watched i haven't cited mm -hmm. yet uh entailed how liberace had actually caught his dad cheating once and never mentioned it to his mother because he didn't want to hurt his mother 
So I think he kind of, he, he had a level of resentment for his father for sure for a while. Yeah. He oh, lost yeah. all respect for his father. Yeah. Level of resentment, like pretty through the fucking roof. Yeah. <laughs> like a very like, high level. Yeah. Pretty, pretty big. <laughs> yeah. The, the theater that he was going to play. At, also, I, I don't know if he's stealing jobs away from his dad because like, I'm pretty sure that these film theaters weren't like uh, taking French horn players to play alongside <laughs> the movies, you know, like just like, how do you even hold a French horn? You gotta you hold a, you wrap around it to press the buttons, and then you stick your hand inside the horn. Yeah, and that's how you play the bell. The bell of yeah. it. Do you have a muffle on that always? Uh, it's technically a little muffled, but you kind of keep your hand out of the way to allow the sound to come through. But I mean, your hand is in the bell, so it's kind of there's a there's a, a very mild level of muffling all the time. Cool. Such an interesting way to play an instrument. That's <laughs> fucked up. Yeah. I feel like when it's they first picked weird. it up, they, they realized they accidentally were drunk and was like, maybe we'll just hold it like this. And then well, they were like, shove my hand in the right. The person that made it definitely demonstrated it wrong because they were drunk and they had to save face and just completely change the way it was played. Here we are. And then they were like, maybe we just make it into a bugle. And, and then everyone was like, great idea. I was literally just about to say he was playing planning on it being played like with the bell <laughs> facing the sky like <laughs> bugles don't have a they don't have the button right? yeah it's just the i hate it <sighs> that sounds hard yeah i don't i think it actually sounds easier but that's fine um i don't know and <laughs> putting your goddamn hand in it yep. trying to figure out how that works i don't know i can't make the sound that a french horn a french horns sound beautiful when they're played well and sound terrible when they're played wrong <laughs> No, that's great. all. Yeah, no in between. <laughs> yeah, the theater was actually going to buy him his own suit so that he would no longer have to wear the ill-fitting suits of his older brother George, which he was very excited for. He told Florence, who was unhappy but approving of this job, uh, but when he told Sam, he strongly disapproved. He felt the same way as Florence and Francis about him wasting his time here. But as soon as Sam saw Walter's weekly pay, a full $75 a week, he had no choice but to allow it to continue. Oh, that'll do it, buddy. Chechen. You know, something like 1300 bucks now, so pretty decent money for a kid. Mm -hmm. Yeah, as a teenager, when your dad just, like, isn't working. Yeah. <laughs> Rough. Yeah. Uh, so this, this is a, a theme that we will see time and time again with people not wanting to do his job, and then he just is like, well, look how much I'm making, and then they just immediately approve of it. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> uh, but the unfortunate side effect of playing these places, bars, beer gardens, stuff like that, is... Well, the thing that these places are known for. Yeah, you know, a lot of bright lights, marble fixtures, uh, riveting intellectual conversations. Playing these types of places is going to set you up for a higher standard of life. <laughs> so it did have that effect on him. Good. Yeah, you got it, buddy. Yeah. Got it. I know. Uh, I know. Actually, Walter had tried booze before, but just barely dabbled in it and at a performance one night it was a wedding someone gave them a big bottle of some kind of booze it was an unmarked bottle very risky and so they all passed it around <laughs> mm -hmm. i think they took like three pulls from the bottle each and remember walter was 14 15 16 at the time and so after his three pulls he sat down at the piano to play immediately fell off his stage and passed out and um 
it was a rough night for him that night but luckily in the end it did help him develop a healthy relationship with alcohol so he's going to take a very different route than some of the other musicians we've covered but this was a rough learning experience for him you really do have to have a level of respect for the stuff or you'll find yourself puking off a third floor balcony in your dorms at three in the morning personally i do not recommend doing that wow <laughs> suspiciously wow. specific yeah it's very That's specific a vivid pit portrait <laughs> yeah self-portrait one just waking say. out of a dead sleep with the spins and running out the door to puke off a balcony not a good look oh buddy that's stressful yeah i feel you yeah <laughs> you gotta have a respect for that that stuff <laughs> yeah <laughs> you guys said it yeah but the also thing the other uh the other thing that he learned about during this time was sex and so this is where we are going to run into our second discrepancy of our series yeah this one's a bit bigger and it'll mm -hmm. become a little more clear as to why the further we go on into the series i just want to point out the first version is the version walter tells people we're gonna have two very it's different versions as we said definitely top. incredibly noteworthy yeah i would say that and it goes as far as to be uh, the one's version is in his biography, and then the other version is in the stories told by Scott Thorson, and I believe mm -hmm. the first version is also in his autobiography. So, um, yeah, he he, it's it's two very different stories. That's we'll we'll get into it it's throughout this whole story. Yeah, you'll yes. you'll, you'll <laughs> learn the depths uh, of the deception. Yeah, it, it there there are no ends to it. Yeah. Um, so he was at a bar one night when he was asked by a woman to stay after and play for her. So. She would split the money with him and then she would drive him home. Walter's brother, George, usually played violin with Walter and then would drive him to and from the gigs. But on this night, Walter agreed to stay behind and play with this woman. I don't know if you meant to write play with instead of play for, I, but I don't like it. <laughs> I don't either way. Ah, buddy. Ah, well, he played the piano with her. That was his intentions was to oh, play yeah. the piano oh, with her. Yeah, okay. I didn't know if you were goofing said. around or if you're yeah. just I'm all serious or... buddy I don't joke I don't joke <laughs> this is my job um, huh. that's true, um, that's true. Yeah, when she was driving <laughs> when, uh, when she was driving him home she stopped the car on the side of the road and then began fondling Walter fondling his penis and then eventually <laughs> nope. she gave him head and then had sex with him and this was the night that he lost his virginity did they call it fellatio at the time or was it uh, something they just didn't have a phrase for because they pretended it never happened ever there's an answer if i had to guess i would assume that they refer to it as worshiping satan mouthing huh. she mouthed him i Weird. hate that <laughs> that's so I much yeah that's i yeah, really she mouthed his penis yes huh. <laughs> oh my god <laughs> that's huh. what it was uh, is that what the book says you ever heard someone says? call like making out like necking yeah i hate that yeah yeah i, I like, hate it i hate mouthing a whole lot more <laughs> yeah it's, it's yeah. She mouthed him yeah god uh, and i yeah. understand that this is probably more detailed than you the audience or, or you ethan and austin are looking for mm -hmm. i just wanted to really point out that the book gets more specific than this like i really want you to share and i also don't want you to share <laughs> yeah, yeah so that's uh that's one side of the story the other side of the story comes from scott thorson who we will talk in depth about in a future episode both stories 
have their own necessity for a grain of salt. So mm-hmm. keep that in mind. Yeah. One person had an image to uphold and one person had a story to sell. Yes. Mm-hmm. This account is that Walter was playing in a bar in Wasau one night when he saw a large brooding man come in and then kept stealing glances at Walter on stage. The man kept coming to Walter's shows and then one night asked to drive him home. And it was on that drive home that the man and Walter had sex. And this was according to Scott. And then this was apparently the night that Walter lost his virginity. And it was his first homosexual encounter, something he secretly knew that he was, but he didn't share with anyone. He always claimed to be attracted to women, but always found himself leaning towards men instead. Obviously, Liberace's sexual preference becomes public knowledge, but I had no idea the lengths he went through to hide it from the public for his literal entire life. Mm -hmm. So... On one hand, we have the account for someone living a double life out of fear of losing their status. On yep. on the other hand, we have the account of a very angry, scorned lover. Yeah. I mean, before... Uh, spoiler alert first, if you don't know anything about Liberace, he is dead. Oh. <laughs> so, yes. uh, wow. when, he, when he died... <laughs> Sorry uh, to spoil it I mean, for you, in the public... I he was straight. Yes, he was. God, uh, the I other, hadn't gotten to that part. The other thing that I didn't uh, mention is that in this story, uh, the the man that he has sex with is actually a Green Bay Packer, an unnamed Green Bay Packer. Yes, because he lives in Wisconsin. Uh, I forgot to mention that. Oh, so that's just kind of a fun little detail there. Football, supposedly an extended yeah. fling. Yes, yeah, it was, it was more than just a one night. Is it Aaron Rodgers on, on both on both sides too? Uh, I don't believe it's told. On, I don't think we on, know. No, that was, a, know. That was it, a joke never, because Aaron Rodgers. It was plays a joke, now. yeah, because he's a yeah, current, he wouldn't yeah, be around. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, on both sides, it's more than just a one night stand. So on both sides, he he meets with the the person after the fact as well, and they they do their thing multiple times. <clears throat> yeah, regardless of which one is true, Walter was growing up, and so to prove it, in 1937, he graduated from high school he was the breadwinner in the house he was loved by his peers and he was one of the best piano players in the state so when he graduated he knew that college wasn't for him and he was instead going to continue to train with florence who he had been with for four ish years at this point and then continue to play around the area i bet she was so frustrated with the decision not to go to college considering she taught at the wisconsin conservatory of music yeah i can't imagine she was super stoked that he didn't want to enroll given how she'd already told him that pursuits outside of being a concert pianist were folly (laughs) yes and i mean he turned down a full ride scholarship to go to college by doing this. What's the point of going to college though yeah. for him? I mean, I'm, you I'm go sure he's get more Mon- trained oh, no, on piano. It, no, he ends ends up making the right choice. He does make the right <laughs> choice. I'm not saying it's, <laughs> but but yeah. Yeah. at the time, I'm sure there. Was, I mean, yeah, I'm sure he saw the risk as well. Mm. I under yeah, I understand like the, the the how everyone else wanted him to go to college to go train more, but yeah. like he still worked with Florence. It's not like he he stopped working with her. So it's like there's no downside for him not to go because he still got the training. He was looking for but he didn't have to worry about anything he just got the training and then went and made music off of it like it's a there's no downside sweet deal it's almost like she tried to leverage it i'm I'm sure that there was probably some some discussion there but yeah in the end he just went out and made a a a lot of money that's (laughs) the way to do it (laughs) good little amount of money yeah yeah and it was shortly after he graduated from high school that his home life truly fell apart as ethan said his dad had actually been stepping out on him and walter found out about it and 
it eventually came to his mother that this was all happening. His dad was delivering a bit of the old Italian sausage on the side. Mm, some kielbasa. <laughs> well, no, he's Italian. It's just, it's just, uh, it's just Italian sausage. It's not kielbasa. Kielbasa is uh, Polish. Polish, yeah. I was gonna make up some kind of joke about Polish casing, but that's, weird. Oh. that's actually really good. <laughs> it was in there. It's it like he's dipped. double dipping. That actually be that would yeah. Wow. I don't know. We don't have a fucking <laughs> I'm getting hungry. As long. Long. That's all. I'm, I'm getting kind of oh, yeah. hungry. I know that. I could go for a link, a link or two. There's <laughs> <laughs> been a lot of food talk in this episode. Yeah. I'm here for it. Uh, yeah. And even though they were a devoted Catholic family in 1943, Francis kicked Sam out of the house and then quietly divorced him, but made her children swear not to talk about it. Yeah, that's that good old Midwest repression. You push it deep down and act like nothing happened at all. Bingo. And it is a, a habit that he will carry with him. <laughs> I will say it's a it's a skill he learned and is good at. <laughs> God. You got a lot of like a, a healthy dose of religious oppression to completely like stranglehold your entire approach to social norms. Well, mm. it's the right thing to do. Yeah. <laughs> Everyone needs it. Uh, both of his parents, Sam and and Francis, remarried. Uh, and Sam, the, the woman that he remarried, he stayed with until, until they both died. And Francis's second husband died after just two years and then she never married again so walter occupied his time during all this happening by studying with florence and playing at his new job at the red room bar where he made 35 dollars a week playing until 1 a.m and then oftentimes going out to after parties after the fact to play for tips and this place is still open in dodgeville wisconsin that's awesome uh, yeah I, I was like looking to see if there was like links like they like note that Liberace was there and I couldn't really find much. So I don't know if it's something that they do lean into, but I did see a Google review mm. saying, quote, bartender was talkative and gave us a good history lesson, LOL. So <laughs> I would have to assume it was like along the lines of, oh, yeah, sure, sure. Liberace was to play here all the time back in the day, but that is before people knew he was there. <laughs> you know. It might just be my personal preference, but I, I love a nice, friendly chat with a, with a good old, friendly Wisconsinite. It's true. They are the nicest people. Oh, they're, my they're, fucking That's a true hidden treasure Why state. You say you this, gotta, you, you, gotta, you gotta go out there in the rural parts. It's, it's a good state. It's a good state. Let me point you to the most beautiful town in America, and that is a small town called Cassville, Wisconsin. Cassville. Population, it. not many. I love it. It's a very it. small town. Nicest I love people. <laughs> Nicest people you'll yes. ever meet. Oh, oh my wow. God. We'll <laughs> tell that like, one in a fucking Go to, go to Viola. Go to Verona. Put it on my calendar. Get out there. <laughs> Oh, my God. Yeah, he had the chance to play with his first real orchestra around this time, thanks to his dad, Sam, who got him a spot. The Sam was playing with this orchestra and, and, and got him a spot on there as well. Walter was so excited that he went out and bought his very own suit with tails against Sam's wishes. And when he sat down, if you don't know what tails are, it's the long things that hang behind a piano uh, or mm. behind your jacket. It's a very fancy suit jacket um, and a lot of piano players wear. So when Walter sat down 
at the piano in his jacket on the night of the concert. He sat right on his tails rather than flipping them out behind him, which actually made his mobility limited. You ever wear a flannel that's like a little oversized and you get into your car and get buckled up and you like start backing out of the driveway before you realize when you turn to check your blind spot that you're like sitting on the shirt and can't yeah. turn? Yeah. It's yeah. like the fucking worst. As a, as a <laughs> you know, honestly, Austin, yeah, way too many times. Oh, it's the worst. Yeah. That's just, God. That's, that's the poor person version version of this situation yeah. yeah like if you if you can relate to that one at least <laughs> yeah after the piece was done he stood up and they made a point to aggressively and humorously flip out his tails which made the audience laugh and this taught walter an important lesson about stage presence and a way to win over the crowd everyone loves a good clown bingo man yeah walter also had the chance to play for conductor jay mills and the chicago orchestra when he was 19 where he had actually met and became friends with Vivian Stapleton, a singer in the orchestra who later changed her name to Vivian Blaine and became a very popular actress. And you probably remember her from such 40s and 50s classics as Girl Trouble, mm. He Hired the Boss, Guys and Dolls, Good. and of course... Who could forget Skirts Ahoy? Biggest, biggest hit by far. I know. That's a huge one. Like, I'm taking a risk here, but I don't think a single bell was rang for anyone listening. I almost guarantee it. Ethan, you're just showing your true colors here on just how ignorant. Educated Ignorant. you truly are in the world of film, yeah. <laughs> I'm going to say I'm right. I'll die on this rock. It was, uh, it was during this time that Walter got his first nickname. So after he was chosen to play in the Chicago Orchestra, he was heard on the Fitch Bandwagon, a nationally broadcast show on AM radio, where he was introduced as Walter Liberace. All right, so I did a little bit of research on this radio station, and a fun fact for all you radio fans out there, after the Fitch bandwagon ended its run in 1948 it actually rebranded as a raunchy late night radio comedy show called the bitch fandwagon wow, <laughs> wow i love that i love that i love it's not, great. It's not true i made that up oh, that's clever why you it you sounds know like we've got <laughs> <laughs> because to me one of the highest forms of comedy is switching letters you gotta switch that you letter that's baby simple. you gotta switch it's it it's hilarious every time oh my god i think we found our sideshow i think we're i think we're gonna start a second you, podcast you and I it's gonna be won't? called the bitch fan day it's like bitch fan fan like it. it's gonna be dirty I mean, yeah <laughs> what would you expect okay, I, wait. I, I think the word bitch alone takes you off the radio honestly that's fine i'm not trying to get on the radio i'm trying fuck to get FCC. into your home baby I don't want to go to the radio, so we're not there. Fuck, yeah. <laughs> Fuck the FCC. <laughs> yeah, uh, I, I'm, I think we've hit some pay soil here, so just keep that on the back burner, Ethan, because we're going to need it. <laughs> pay dirt is uh, what it's actually called. Okay. There you uh, go. Promoter for the orchestra it heard his name. Walter Liberace coming up on the Fitch bandwagon and didn't think that something as high class as the orchestra should be mingling with something as low class as a radio dance show. So they actually asked Walter to change his name for the bandwagon show. Yeah, I love that. that he just got to be on a radio show and then is forced to change his moniker because he got to be on the radio show. Yeah, I'm, just, I'm, not, I'm not sure how I personally would have felt about a request like that. Oh, <laughs> I, you know what? 
I think we all would have changed our names immediately. Yeah, yeah. it's, it's, the, equi- it. it's oh, the equivalent yeah. to being like, "Oh yeah, no, you guys, you guys can uh, open up for Slipknot." But as all you have to do is you just have to change your name on the other side, far away, for this little side project. Like, oh yeah, you just have to change your name on the podcast to, to something else so that we're not associated with you. Will not I'll change do my name it. to fucking okay, I'll, anything. I'll it immediately. You're right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, you're right. No, you're right. I'll change that. Yeah. <laughs> so the next. Next night, when his name was mentioned, it said the piano player was Walter Buster Keys. So he went by this for a short time until after the orchestra performance in January 1940. It actually wasn't a very long time, but it was a nickname that that didn't that just kind of was became famous and and legendary at the time. Walter Buster Keys. Hmm. After the performance, Sam showed how proud of his son he was and gave him permission to play whatever he wanted from then on out. Whatever has the potential of one day bringing in a few hundred thousand dollars a week yeah play that <laughs> you, you really have to ride that fan wagon dude <laughs> god damn it Ethan I love it buddy silent D baby keep it up <laughs> yeah he had truly proved that he could play anything so now he was free to play anything after that he headed back home to continue playing at bars and events now making about ninety dollars a week one thousand six hundred and ninety dollars a week crazy amount of money oh, uh, Jesus he enjoyed the money but he hated just being a pianist heard that <laughs> he hated that he just played background music for people who rarely acknowledged him i bet this is how people who score entire movies feel it seems like a super hard job oh yeah get yeah. some get real recognition not an easy thing to do no yeah he knew that he wanted to be an entertainer not just a piano player and he got the chance when he was put on a solo concert at a hall in La Crosse, Wisconsin. He played all his appropriate pieces like uh, like Chopin, uh, Beethoven, Bach, all of it. He played them all. But at the end, he asked for some suggestions. Unfortunately for all my music connoisseurs out there, this was before the obligatory free bird request. Oh, my God. <laughs> that would have been awesome. Uh, that would have been fucking imagine. awesome. Yeah. Oh, my God. <laughs> Just fucking everyone's getting strips out of their, their tuxedos and their cutoff tees, whips out their lighters. Oh, there would be no clothes left on. <laughs> after, uh, after a short silence, someone threw out the song Three Little Fishes as a joke. Boop, boop, riddle, diddle, drizzle, rip. Boop, boop, riddle, diddle, drizzle, rip. That's a fun <laughs> one. Good, it's it's good. a good one, yeah. Yeah, it was a, it was a children's song and... It clearly wasn't the right song for the setting, so there was some light laughter, but Walter took it in stride. He sat down at the piano, and then he began some classical-style playing, but then blended in the trademark melody of Three Little Fishes, and the audience loved it. Austin. You guys are familiar. I got I gotta know. <laughs> Austin, have you, have you considered a, a career in scat? I absolutely have not. Not the music. <laughs> Oh, yes. Thank you, Tony. I want to have gotten into a little bit. Ah, cripes. (laughs) So so while the audience was civil and gentle for their applauses for the other pieces, it was roaring for this interpretive piece and really showed Walter exactly what he needed to do. He figured out that there was a huge market for classical piano playing with the mixings of the popular tunes of the time. People love modern tunes played in a classic fashion and this trend does still hold up to this day so Mm -hmm. Liberace could probably be credited with pioneering this trend most of the songs that were played at the time were kind of played on piano 
So it, he didn't like interpret them from other instruments into piano. Some of them he did, I guess. But for the most part, it's like I'm playing this popular piano ragtime piece in a classical setting in a classical style. I think I'm thinking more down the road because he starts but playing. But he's like improv and yeah. he's doing it. And later yeah, down the road, he starts it like a fun show. He starts taking pop music and, and improving off it. Like, is more what I was <laughs> like, I don't know. Did, did, did Liberace like ever break out fortunate son on the piano? <laughs> I, 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 say it, I say it later, but he, ding, he ding. I, actually, I did my ding, next ding. time I talk, I, I talk about how ding, he did ding. a Neil Diamond medley and it's really good. Okay. Right. So yeah, I guess you're right then. Yeah. He kind of takes the popular music of yeah. the time. And uh, I watched a video cool. where he just has them get list songs and they list like 10 different songs from different genres that I'd didn't know half of and he knew them all nailed them all and yeah, yeah it's he does a wonderful job we've already said he does wonderful job. he's so good uh, so glad he picked this he could, Ethan, uh, that i picked this Ethan. Me. he could uh mix these two styles pop and classical together perfectly and he could make the usually rather snooty and suffocating style of classical music really approachable and then make the every man and woman comfortable with classical piano like i was just saying he Later in his life, we'll start to just take suggestions from people and blend them into a medley as like the closer of his show. And it's mm-hmm. you can find videos and it's very impressive. I yeah. mean, yeah, his Neil Diamond medley is absolutely wonderful. It's on Spotify. If you have any interest in listening to his covers that he does, they're great. It's, it's good to listen to. I mean, it is, it's classical music. It's classical piano. And then you listen to it and it's like, oh, I, I know that song. Yeah. Like I, yeah. I'm, I'm familiar with that I song. I think it's yeah. like Holy cool. Holy and uh, Sweet Caroline together. And it's so good. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So you pair all of that with Walter's sweet, gentle personality. And there was a, the makings of a top notch show there. God, that sounds like the perfect combination of drawing just masses and masses <laughs> of elderly women fans. <laughs> I mean, just dusting the cobwebs <laughs> off in between them legs. Oh, no. <laughs> just. You, you got to picture it, though, like old delirious women who have just started watching TV for the first time in their lives and have no oh. grasp of what a TV actually is. Like, this is this is a new technology. And, and these women would dress up as if they were going on a date to watch this man on TV. If you if you can't hear the cash flowing like the currents on the River Nile, then you're not listening to what's happening right now. We haven't gotten there. They don't know that But it's going to happen. No, it's the it thing. is true. It's, it's true so thing. true. <laughs> You're really putting the... the horse. The, uh, no, yeah. carriage in front of the horse. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Walter, the horse, yeah. Walter knew that this could work. And so Florence, of all sources, actually gave him the idea that he should think about moving to New York to try and promote this style of show because the market there was much bigger and you would have a better chance of standing out with this hybrid style of playing and entertaining. But Walter was scared of leaving the comfort of his Wisconsin life. Wisconsin is pure comfort. That's like the only thing I know about Wisconsin. <laughs> <laughs> as, a, as a man who literally takes a trip every year to the backwoods of Wisconsin, I can concur. Absolute comfort state. A state that is known for cheese is a state that is warm in my heart through and through. You get that Jesus stuff away from cheese me. Cheese and beer? Oh. Dairy and beer? Oh. Oh, wait. Oh, you said cheese. Sorry. Yeah, cheese. You said, yeah, I thought he said Jesus <laughs> yeah. too at first. I, cheese and beer. Yep. Cheese and beer. Yes. Good apples. Two, good, two great things. Jesus is alive and well in Wisconsin, though. So <laughs> That's true, buddy. Uh, yeah, he was making decent money here in Wisconsin and his mother and teacher were still there supporting him. 
But uh, though Walter was well-known in Wisconsin, he was a nobody outside the area, which made it even tougher for him to leave. And though he felt it was a pipe dream at first, Jay Mills, the conductor for the Chicago Orchestra, reached out to him and let him know that there was a place for him in New York, actually in New Jersey, if he wanted to play there. That's a pretty good decision maker. You've got like a safety net for when your dream of becoming an entertainer most likely goes nowhere. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, that's what we're doing, technically. (laughs) Yeah. It's a pretty sweet situation. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. After some deliberation, Walter decided to go for it. And so in late 1941 or early 1942, Walter boarded a train and left Wisconsin, Francis, and Florence behind to head to the Big Apple to try and make it as a performer. You know his mother was absolutely distraught as this was happening. Yeah, she was a little, she was a little, uh, she she wasn't super happy about it, but... You know, gotta, no, not stoked. Gotta let the boy dream. Yep. Yeah, he reached the city, and though he was broke, he took in all the sights and the sounds. There were tons of people bustling all around and playing music all over, and Walter immediately felt that this was the place for him. Bright lights, big city, that's where I wanna go. That's a that's a James and the Giant Peach reference, <laughs> and it's, it's referring to New York. The, yeah. Oh wow. How about that? Yeah. <laughs> that's the centipede singing. Yes, I it is. You knew. Yes. I remember. Yeah, he met up with Jay and began to look for work. Uh, Like I said, I think he played with Jay for a while and then just kind of went off and did his own thing. While he was a skilled piano player, as I said, he was unknown outside the area. So finding real work was proving to be a tough feat for Walter, even with Jay's help. You know where you are? (laughs) We're all ready for it. Uh, Yep, I think that's what he went through. (laughs) The other thing that Walter loved about his move to New York was the fact that he was no longer under the watchful eye of his mother or his community, and he could now freely be himself. By which, of course, I mean that he no longer had to try and repress his homosexuality. He was free to engage with men in the area without fear of repercussions, though he still kept it secret from the public. New York was a little more open-minded than Wisconsin, believe it or not, (laughs) but sadly, it was still the 40s and a great deal of things sucked in the 40s. This was a time where a lobotomy was a recommended procedure for, I'm going to say, quote, Quote. curing homosexuality, end quote. Yeah. Not a very good time for people to literally just be themselves. Turns out cutting part of your brain out doesn't fix anything. (laughs) So let's get back to let's get back to old Walter here. Yeah. He found a manager in New York, May Johnson, to help him get jobs. And so it was at this time that he played small clubs and intermissions for bigger acts around the area. He felt it was a step down from what he was doing, even though he was being paid more than he ever had before, about $175 a week at this point. But it was less playing and it was much less recognition. I'm so glad we have Ethan ready with the inflation <laughs> calculator because we're going to dip our toes into some very big numbers later on. Yes. But even this was a pretty good fucking wage the time yeah i mean it's about three thousand. but there's one thing that's a bit hard to account for is the adjusted cost of living in comparison to wisconsin it's it's possible that this wage wasn't that great because he is now living in new york in comparison to wisconsin so there's there's a bit of an adjustment but remember this is three thousand dollars a week yeah it's still it's still dollars a month uh-huh. he's making a 
about a hundred and thirty-five thousand dollars. No, a hundred and fifty thousand dollars a year by today's numbers. So you know how many people made that much back then? I, uh, yeah, that's that's probably. You know how many people make that much now? Yeah, you guys now. could be. You, yeah. guys, you guys could be absolutely <laughs> correct. I'm just I'm playing devil's advocate here. I'm just saying. I mean, I think that it obviously New York is more expensive, yeah. but I think he's probably doing okay. He's with probably the very thousand dollars a month. Yeah. 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 Uh, yeah. I would say yeah but uh, he didn't like it he didn't like he cared about the the his job more than he cared about the money he didn't like that he was back to being background music while people got their drinks or conversed amongst each other uh but while he was doing this he watched the stars who he opened for and would accompany them if they needed it he would just like watch them like stars like ella fitzgerald or uh hildegard who is a was a popular radio personality who did live performances in the city uh, i had no idea how much of an icon ella fitzgerald was uh she's won 13 grammys mm -hmm. she collaborated a huge amount of songs with louis armstrong and the trope of being able to shatter a wine glass by singing is something that she actually did and there's like a m episode of mythbusters that proves it was possible with her voice so it's a pretty crazy learning environment for <laughs> i him. mean yeah just like how he is in history he's surrounded by people that make their mark in a big way in history and yeah. he soaked it all in he would take anything he could from them to build out into his own show like mm -hmm. uh like hildegard that she like i said she was a big pop a personality who would come and play these live shows she taught him never to do uh, encores so to never as soon as you're done with your show you never come back out on stage because you always leave him wanting more because if they want more they're going to pay for a second show rather than come see two extra songs for your encore like Genius. it's stuff like that where it's like he he he, he took it all in like it, it's it's pretty smart yeah he eventually tried out his talents uh at one of the places that he played regularly because when he tried to ask the audience for suggestions like he had done in lacrosse but instead of any suggestions being thrown out for Walter, he was instead thrown out of the venue and he was fired as the owners felt that he was interfering with their bottom line because if the audience was focused on him, they wouldn't be buying drinks. That goddamn bottom line. Like, how many venues and record labels have missed out on just... <laughs> millions and millions of dollars because of that bottom line right. it's hey the worst. Man. you know those liquor licenses aren't cheap well we will find uh at one point in the next episode that letting him do his thing in bars makes more money makes an insanely a lot of yeah. money yeah oh you do it one night your whole year's paid off yeah so <laughs> the bar just yeah people screwing up because they hate the thought of change it's the wildest thing yep. yeah he kept playing around that the area wild, when it? mca approached him with an opportunity of a lifetime one of their star acts eddie duchin was going into the navy as this was wartime and there would be a spot that needed filled uh, it was World War II draft time, and numerous stars yeah. got the old Uncle Sam molesting, including Elvis Presley and Johnny Cash. That's right, yeah. Uh, Eddie yeah. Duchin was a jazz pianist who had a backing band, and so MCA felt that Walter would fit right in his place. But surprisingly, Walter declined the offer. He said that he didn't want to step into someone else's place. He wanted to find a place just for him, and he wanted to be himself first, ironically. We can uh, see 
kind of from the beginning that he has the star quality and he's going to take no less. Yeah. Not a substitute. <laughs> Original ingredient only. That's right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It was at that point that uh, he needed to change himself to be a little bit more identifiable. He said, if, if I'm going to make this big decision of not taking on this other job because I want to be myself, I need to figure out a way to make myself fully individual and so walter was a common name at the time and so he needed something that stuck out and so he took some inspiration from the pianist he had met at a ch- as a child ignas paderewski who went by simply paderewski publicly yeah there's definitely a pattern mozart beethoven tchaikovsky moby you know my personal favorite Lou Bega. Lou Bega is technically two names. Well, well I mean, mm-hmm. his, his last name was Lou Bega. Publicly, publicly, he, publicly. It's you're not names. wrong. Yeah. <laughs> like I just wish someone would acknowledge I put Moby in there. I, I love Moby. <laughs> That's Thank all you. I wanted. <laughs> yeah, Walter decided that he was going to follow suit. And so from 1942 on, he became known simply as Liberace publicly and then Lee privately. And Libs to me in the gang. <laughs> Who's in the gang? <laughs> Libs in the gang. That's great. Just me in the gang. Don't worry about it. <laughs> That's a very tight circle, Austin. Congratulations. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But even that couldn't get him more work. So he decided that he was going to take his chances on the other side of the country in Los Angeles where Clarence Goodwin, a person he had met at one of his shows, said that he could come and stay with him and his wife if he ever found his way to the the west coast uh the name clarence goodwin he had to breed clydesdales right it might be debatable it's mm. either greyhounds or clydesdales <laughs> i do think yeah. yep. I, I think you guys are making jokes i think he was very well off which we'll explain why in a moment so all right raising fucking clydesdales <laughs> <laughs> yeah freaking thoroughbreds uh, no so when work slowed down he took clarence up on his offer and moved across the country you know you <laughs> Los Angeles. Again, huh? <laughs> yeah, that song's not even about... That's fine. That's fine. It doesn't even matter. Uh, there, he did the same thing he did in New York City, but with Clarence taking May's position. He played around the area wherever he could, hoping to make a name for himself. And apparently, Clarence decided that Liberace truly was the real deal and decided to buy a gold-plated, double-tiered piano from a piano exchange that specialized in unique and famous pianos used in Hollywood. And did it give up a general price on this little number? No. I couldn't find anything. Shoot. Shoot. I would have guessed about 350. Oh, about 350. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Liberace, I'm guessing it was expensive. You can find pictures of it, and it's a, uh, it's a, it's an ornate, elegant piano covered in gold mm. and then two tier, meaning it's got two keyboard, two sets of keys sitting on top of each other and uh it's it's very nice yeah liberace was obsessed with it and so clarence decided that he should have it and so he just straight up bought it for him like clarence he said you should you should have this if you want it and then the next day it was sitting in clarence's living room and said you can pay me back with the money that you make when you're rich and famous you can pay me back with for this i really wonder if that happened on clarence's deathbed he actually whispered his final words and they were uh Liberace owes me. <laughs> I, I, I truly hope you are correct there. That's I, I hope that's real. That's a good story. Um, honestly, though, like not too much happened during this period. He played for stateside soldiers who were back from the war. And then he also made sure to meet up with some willing participants for his sexual escapades. And then about this time, he was making around $500 a week. But he decided after a while that this fun and carefree time he was having, it wasn't 
his end game and that he had to head back to New York City as that's where he was going to succeed. That is already insane. Five hundred dollars a week in 1942. Hit it, Ethan. What do you got? I'd say he's officially <laughs> making it now. Eight grand a week, baby. That's good money. <laughs> Wonderful money. Holy yeah. macaroni. God. Let's also say drop in the hat. In the later years, not even. <laughs> not yeah, not even to say. This is yeah. not even like the most he's gonna make. <laughs> not even like probably not even the least he'll not end up making close. after a certain age. I'm, yep. I'm sure he spends on average more than eight thousand dollars a day at his height. God, <laughs> you're not wrong. Yeah, no, you're right. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so yes, he, after about a year in L.A., he headed back to New York City to once again try and make it in the entertainment business and it makes sense because los angeles it was and is known for hollywood and the film industry but new york truly was where live music and live entertainment was booming at this time so when he got back he decided that he needed something new was it a new pair of shoes tony it very well could have been that could have been part of his his image change that he was going for here one of many things he need you need to buy yeah what I don't. I, I was making a joke about how he probably did need shoes because everyone needs a lot of things when yeah. they move somewhere. Yeah. But it's fine. <laughs> it's a good joke, buddy. This is good. Thank you. Thanks. Uh, yeah, he wasn't able to do his performances of classical music and pop music, so he decided that he was going to try something completely new. He was going to duet with recordings of the masters. So he bought all their records, and then he practiced to build his own parts around their parts. He would accent their powerful parts, and then he added his own lead parts during their lower energy sections. God, that is such a brilliant idea when you're like, grasping for like a money-making gimmick because that is a lot of money idea yeah. before anyone's really doing it yeah pie oh near <laughs> it's such a <laughs> such a freaking brilliant idea yeah he practiced yeah. for it for 12 hours a day for almost a month to completely perfect playing with these recordings and he tried it out and he eventually got a job at the persian room which was actually the same place he played when he first got to new york playing intermissions for people i bet it was covered in expensive rugs <laughs> i bet you are the persian room clever that's very clever persian yeah. rugs you know yeah, that it was <laughs> <laughs> and not only did he get a job there, nice job. <laughs> he convinced the room to put up a surround sound speaker system so the audience could properly hear his and the recordings playing together. And on top of that, he secured a salary of $900 a week, which is... Uh all right, now we're up to fourteen grand. God damn it! That's just, <laughs> Christ. God. Uh, he, uh, and it was during this time that he got one of his most famous attributes, which he actually stole from a movie. And now it has a movie about it starring <laughs> Michael Douglas and Matt Damon. Matt Damon. Come on, oh Matt my Damon. Gosh. <laughs> uh, actually, we we plan on sitting down and watching it together on Zoom, and I cannot wait. Maybe uh, maybe excited. us doing a watch through of it will end up on our patreon who knows could, could be might fun. be a good could one be fun. that would be a good one uh yes so that he was watching the movie a song to remember and in the movie there's a scene where an actor is playing on his piano and a woman walks in with a candelabra a large oftentimes ornate multi-candle holder liberace loved the mood that it seemed to create on screen and decided that he wanted to add that to his act as well 
So in July 1945, at the beginning of one of his shows, he had a stagehand dressed as a butler carry his new candelabra on stage and then set it on his piano. And from that point on, he had his candelabra on his piano basically every time he played. He became the man behind the candelabra. Yes, he did. Yeah, and the, and, and his that candelabra makes so much sense now. <laughs> becomes like a, such a personality trait like he has rings yeah. at some po- at one point uh, he has a ring of a candelabra in 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 just in diamond encrusted fully with diamond and so cool yeah, huge huge one yeah big one big one yeah it's it, all of them big he ones goes, he goes <laughs> yeah, he dives all huge. in yeah he is not a man of subtlety well that's what we'll say no. <laughs> so when his time at the persian room was done mca reached out to him as they again wanted to work with him but now they wanted to send him out on the road for a tour he was sent all over the country and even up to Montreal to play his show where he could build a name for himself from coast to coast. And that's something we haven't shed uh, too much light on, but he has such a long career before his like insane level of fame. Like like we've said he's doing very well for himself, but the amount it gets to of like his fame it takes a long time to get there, but it's just fucking insane. Yeah, I mean at this I mean, point he's probably been playing for close to uh Bob, hold on. Give me. Uh, let me do math in my head quick. Uh, so he began playing at 14, which would be 1933. So he's been playing close for uh, a little over 10 years at this point for money. Don't mm-hmm. like get confused. Like he's making a lot of money, but he's not making like donor class money yet. <laughs> <laughs> right. He's not getting the halls named after him quite yet. Uh, yeah. 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 There's not wings of. With buildings and benches, yeah. And yeah. Have an entire like, foundation and... <laughs> established to give people money. Yeah. Yes, yeah. Uh, and at many of these shows, conductors would invite him back to play again at later times. They loved working with him so much that they would actually invite him back to play again. Everywhere he went, people loved him. Everywhere except for his pseudo hometown, Milwaukee. Pseudo hometown, <laughs> get him, Tony. You tell him. Get him. And honestly, a bunch of shrewd people in Milwaukee, obviously. Mm. Yeah, I'm, mm-hmm. I, they accepted him until all at once they didn't. And that's where yep, we're at yeah. right now. Yeah, he played at the... Until he didn't do exactly what they wanted. <laughs> he played at the Paps Theater, a place that we've mentioned and that he was intimately familiar with. And he invited his mom to come see him, giving her a front row seat to the sold out show. She loved the show, but the critics in the city were less accepting of him. One critic said Liberace had turned his back on the concert platform and had gone swaggering into nightclubs. They didn't like that he was playing the pop music and not just classical pieces he had been known for in the area years before you normally hear about wisconsin people being so nice um man in my experience they've been nice but they weren't nice to him here (laughs) yeah buddy they're the nicest people you know (laughs) nicest people you know i'll put my whole neck out for rural wisconsin and blame it entirely on the people in milwaukee and you know what (laughs) whoa i'm comfortable with that yep i'm comfortable with you doing that publicly on the show good (laughs) who's watching (laughs) keep it up buddy (laughs) yeah so even though he was playing at bars and around and in these little bit more low-key places playing the pop tunes the people who came to hear his classical playing never knew that he was leading this double life another review said that he did amusing stunts with popular music and he even tried to sing with his pale little voice very very <laughs> very mean very so personal critical yeah. God. yeah they really uh they really laid into him and he was pretty upset about it which i think he had a 
the right to be he had a warm place for wisconsin in his heart but they no longer had the warm reception of their prodigy he's gonna get his so we all know he will and milwaukee will owe him an apology yeah i mean they should yeah yeah we'll see if they do yeah. uh yeah. he they felt that he was wasting his talents away with pop tunes ragtime and with these boogie woogies so the question is where could liberace go that would be accepting of his unique playing his extravagant personality and his hidden preferences well some would call all of it a sin so the city he would head to the nickname makes absolute sense some would call it a sin i say get over yourself but of course we will get into all those details as well as everything else about the life of liberace on the next episode of on in five yeah wow. what a fun introduction good. Wow. what a fun little great. intro illuminating i uh, loved it yeah uh, like i said at the beginning much more a much crazier story than I was ever expecting from this guy. This this oh, surface just it's gripping perfect man. I mean, everyone said he was the perfect human being. <laughs> and you know what? I'm gonna say he was. He was the perfect yeah. human being. Oh, I think he did some things I don't quite agree later with later in his he life. He kind of became a monster. <laughs> <laughs> there are there's a lot of words that we could use to describe Liberace, and I think a very fitting one is vain he is one of the most vain people you'll yes. ever meet uh -huh. or ever hear uh -huh. about and uh and that becomes very apparent and at the at the end of this series it'll become very apparent why but we'll get to that yeah in due yeah. time he's vain but it's not like he was so vain that he would like force someone to get plastic surgery to like <laughs> oh work no just like there him. it is like <laughs> <laughs> At least he's not that bad. Yeah, at least he's not gonna like force a man to like look like him when he was young. Yeah. Yeah, there are lines and Liberace doesn't cross them, right? <laughs> Come back in two weeks, people. See you later. Come back. Coming. Oh, in the meantime, if you want to find us on social media, I'm sure you know how to do that or you just don't care to. And either way, we're comfortable with it. Well, we do yeah, want you to go, though, works. if you got it. You know what? Everyone's rich as shit now that we have these stimulus checks, so why don't you go ahead and donate to our Patreon. Patreon! <laughs> Dear Christ, please you. don't spend your money on us don't. if you actually need it. Don't. But if you have a dollar yeah, to spare, don't. please give it to us. It helps us just get... It helps pay for the hosting site for our website helps us pay for books that's all we don't want to get rich off this we just really love doing it and so if we could just have a little bit less come out of our own pockets and and come in out of the business account instead that'd be great but again give only if you're able to cool. our stuff is always be gonna nice. be free thanks for listening uh until the next episode be safe out there have some fun get a little weird with it take yourself out to eat uh and uh, just you know enjoy yourself <laughs>